Okay, needless to say, this is not go. This part is not going. Yeah, don't, in the don't intro. put that in. <laughs> Good lord. I'm always worried that you're accidentally gonna leave all this in, like one day and just like forget <laughs> or something. Well, let's just make sure it never sees the light of day. <laughs> just make sure. Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, December the 6th. Cavaliers coming off of uh, some impressive wins. I don't necessarily mean the uh, in North Carolina Central one. Uh, we have not talked about hoops since they beat Texas A&M and also then beat Syracuse. Um, good little run. Uh, especially for Isaac McNeely, who I hope uh, you know, I hope the Chester, or Chesterfield, hope the Charlottesville par- uh, Fire Department is ready for anything and everything because, like that dude is is on a whole other planet right now. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna talk basketball and then I, we'll get into some football stuff here in a little bit. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First in Fishersville, board moderator du jour himself, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good. I really don't have anything funny tonight. I've been working on it, but nothing. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. Sometimes you just got to it all defeat, last week. You know? Yeah. Uh, in Charlottesville, Editor-in-Chief Justin Ferber is also on this year's program. How's it going, my dude? Pretty good. If you're listening and you're wondering if we're going to talk about basketball, we're going to talk about basketball. But we also don't take requests. So um, <laughs> it's our show. We'll talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter, where I'm Ferber. blocked. Wow. Ferber, Ferber is really just going to – that was an audience of one intro if, if ever well, there was like, one. Yeah, I mean, it's like that's how podcasts work. Like, you know, if we're want if we if we're taking questions for a mailbag or something, you know, then we'll talk about that. But otherwise, you know, do your own podcast. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that, I don't know if uh, – maybe that was the cold medicine talking, um, but I like it. I like the fire. <laughs> I like the passion. Uh, <laughs> corner also under the Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, all right, so I yes. get a little salty after like three therapies or whatever. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, Ferber is, is currently playing uh, somewhat hurt, but I think he's rounding the turn. So, hopefully oh yeah, if I if I had to play tonight, I, I could I could get yeah, he, you know, you got it out. Uh, Virginia with a fifty-nine forty-seven win over uh, Texas A and M. Um, Probably the most old school where I mean, I don't want to say we're going to see all season from UVA, but I just felt like that was a real like put your uh, put your will on the table and, and dare the other team to take it. You know, like it, it was it was essentially like a um, I felt like Virginia really channeled a lot of its older self in that game. It was it was certainly a um, an, an, an interesting game to see and certainly a, um, a nice result. Um you know, to see Virginia play as well as they did, despite, you know, kind of being dominated on the glass, didn't seem to matter. Um, there wasn't there, you know, there weren't many moments in that game where I thought the Cavaliers weren't going to be the ones to win it. Um, 
you know, I thought that, uh, you know, not just the fact that they went old school five dudes playing all the minutes, which is, you know, got some real classic Tony vibes there. Um, <clears throat> but they definitely rendered a lot of what Texas A&M wanted to do um, somewhat moot, which I, you know, I, I, I again, I think Virginia is at its best when the Cavaliers are sort of exerting their um, their will and their game plan or their style or whatever on other teams. I know that it's been a <clears throat> been a minute since we watched that game because um, of the sort of recording schedule. But let's talk about that one and the um, the sort of beat them down that um, Red Autry got in his ACC opener. 84-62 Cavaliers over the Orange of Syracuse, who did not play exclusively a zone, which is still going to – it's going to take a long time. I know that's a joke and stuff, but, like, legitimately, I like, could not wrap my brain around it. Um McNeely goes for 22 points on 8 of 11 shooting, 6 of 8 from 3 in 26 minutes. If that stat line sounds familiar, you're going to hear it again in a couple minutes. Legitimately, have never seen that happen. Um, and, yes, the uh, NC Central win last night, 77-47 Cavaliers roll um, over the Eagles. And, again, McNeely, 22 points on 8 of 11 shooting, 6 of 8 from 3 in 26 minutes. Um, nice little showing from Elijah Gertrude as well as Leon Bond the third. All right, Ferber, let's let's talk a little bit about sort of um what we what we've taken away from these last three games for Virginia. Obviously a Texas AM is gonna is that's a that's a tournament team. Syracuse is not. Um and obviously Central's not. But in terms of what you've seen over the last three games, how does that impact the big picture for you? Uh and what's your your sort of major takeaway from what we've seen over the last three? Yeah, I mean, I think after the Fort Myers tournament, um, you know, you kind of wonder where this team is exactly. And I, I saw our friend Will say this on Twitter, so I don't want to take credit for it, but it is a good point. Like the, the way they've played over the last couple of weeks kind of makes you a little bit more. It's easier to buy the idea that the the games in Fort Myers are maybe just a blip in a negative way. Um, and this team's better than that. And they're going to be fine. Um, long way to to go obviously and and UVA has obviously for a long time been very good at home um so I don't want to make it seem like this is going to translate to when they're playing tough road games but yeah I mean three different kinds of wins obviously NC Central we don't really need to talk too much about that team was undermanned and, and already not very good so they UVA just kind of handled business there the only really interesting thing was Gertrude and then McNeely shooting but um against AM, I thought the defense was fantastic um you know, obviously the steals and blocks really added up. Uh, I thought the way that Buzz Williams kind of described the game afterwards was was like a, he made some good points about how like um, the turnovers just became like the math just doesn't add up at a certain point. Like once you give up 16 possessions to a UVA team that's already going to limit your number of possessions, um, kind of makes it impossible, even if you are out rebounding UVA, which they did. Um maybe just not to the margin that they could have, but that was a really solid performance. You know, we didn't know exactly what to expect um, going into that game, given where T uh, Texas A&M was, but th they just played really well on both ends of the floor. I thought, you know, um, dealing with an injury to Dante Harris as well. Um, you know, they were, they were good on the ball. They were, they were good, you know, with the turnovers, they, they made timely shots. They just played well. Uh, it it kind of felt like a game that was a higher scoring game than it ended up, but 
solid performance. And then Syracuse was just uh, undressing. I mean, they dominated that game. Syracuse looked like a team that hasn't played. <laughs> they look surprised to be playing man too, because um, I was telling somebody after the game, there were so many possessions where, especially down on our end where we were, you know, in the media area, um, you know, UVA would get a layup off of a, a good pass into the post or like an extra pass would, would set up an easy layup or a drive to the basket or something. And you would just see like three Syracuse defenders just looking at each other. Like what just happened? Like whose fault was that? We don't even know. Um, and then UVA and kind of, as we talked about before the game, but like Syracuse wasn't exactly the best setup team to take advantage of what UVA struggled with before. Um, and that showed, I mean, UVA just handled them you know, on both ends of the court. So two really solid performances and, and, you know, Syracuse isn't great, but they have good players and, and UVA's backcourt just kind of took their really good guards pretty much out of the game. Starling had some points, but um, they kind of dominated that one. And, and now you kind of turn your attention to, to Memphis, assuming that they're going to beat Northeastern. Um, and that's another test. And then, you know, you're right into the middle of ACC play, but it's easy to feel a lot better about where this team is now than, than maybe after the, two games in Florida. Yeah, they did a really nice job of of really putting that thing in the rear view. Um, you know, um and and maybe the Wisconsin loss is looking a little bit better now than it did. That's a at good the point. Time. Yeah. They played really um, well since that tournament. And 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 I thought that night what I saw from Wisconsin, you know, I thought, look, this is a team that that clearly understood the assignment in terms of how to beat UVA. Um but I didn't know how that would translate you know, when they played other teams and clearly they've, they've figured out um, something and we'll, we'll, we'll be curious. I'll be curious to see, you know, sort of how the Badgers fare the rest of the way. I, I think that the thing that stands out the most to me, Dave, is it's not so much McNeely shooting, which is incredible. It's the ease with which, or not even just the ease with which he's, he's gotten these, um, these bunches of shots. Um, and, you know, I think all three of us agree that he just needs to shoot more. Because if you're if you're fifty eight fifty nine percent or whatever it is he is from three, I don't I actually don't know what he is now, um, but it, it, it's somewhere in that ballpark. If you're that if you're shooting that well, you need to shoot more shots because your volume is such that um, you know you need to continue to hunt it, and I think he will. Um, but the thing that really stands out the most to me, man, is like the Gertrude move to play him. Was obviously, you know, as we we found out from Tony after that game, you know, in the works before uh, Dante Harris sprained his ankle. But you could make an argument that 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 decision um, may have changed the trajectory of UVA season. Now, it's hard to say that in the moment. That's much more of a thing that you would say at the end of the season. Um, but I do think that like he gives him something that this team really needs, if nothing else. Hell, on on the glass, he's another you know athletic kid who's in the air uh, in a way that you know some of his teammates aren't necessarily the, up there as high, right? They're not vying for some of these boards, um, and we know guards have to rebound um, for this team, especially this year. Um, but in, for me, I I think that the idea that you're able to bring him off the bench and that he looks as comfortable as he looks, he does not look to me like a guy shaking off rust. Um, who hadn't played in a year because of an ACL injury. Now, granted, he has not pulled a lot of minutes yet um, against a team where they're looking to uh, go at him, right? He hasn't had to come up in big moments yet. Um, There's been a nice little ease into things. He played eight minutes uh, against A&M. 
um, against uh, Syracuse because of the score. He was able to play 18, and against Central, he was able to play 17. Um, and he probably would have played a few more if he hadn't gotten knocked on the nose or whatever, had the cut above his uh, above his nose. But in general, I just think that like he kind of does change the, the the calculus for me a little bit. In 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 the big picture for you, Dave, what what are your takeaways from the last three games? Has that changed some of your expectations for this season? Has it changed anything for you? Um, or are you kind of where you were uh, before this little mini run that they've got going? I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is I feel like we're getting to a point where the coaches realize this team can't be a traditional Virginia team. Um, if that makes sense. Like this team is going to make its hay by pressuring the perimeter, creating steals, um, which isn't something they normally do out of the pack line, and then blocking shots largely on the perimeter or having Ryan Dunn or someone else kind of, you know, as a secondary guy, try to try to block the ball at the rim. So it's not it's not the traditional pack line defense. They're, they're going to be different. Um, I mean, I think, you know, Buchanan had that start where we thought maybe maybe he's the answer at the five. And, um, you know, Miner's gotten some minutes the last couple of games and, you know, it just doesn't look like it's clicking for him. And it's hard to imagine it's going to click as the competition picks up in January, February, and March. Um, so at this point, I think, what Virginia is and, you know, the best version of this Virginia team is likely, you know, you still need Buchanan to give you minutes, but you're not going to rely on him. Like maybe you thought you could, you know, he's a first year big guy. And I think you've seen his strength issues in some of his games, um, you know, since that breakout he had um, and Groves has done, you know, a, a decent job, um, especially given his, you know, lack of size as well. I mean, strength as well, but, you know, because he can shoot the three at least enough to keep guys honest. I think, you know, what this team is going to be is exactly what we've seen. And I think the Gertrude piece, you know, the kind of, you know, I know Bennett mentioned they were thinking about taking off his red shirt prior to the injury, but if there's a benefit of that, I think now you can kind of lean in that even more, um, you know, because now instead of maybe Tane Murray getting some minutes so you can have someone to guard a two or three, instead of, you know, if Harris wasn't on the floor or whatever. Now you can bring in Gertrude, who definitely is more athletic, and I think you're kind of, you know, he can create chaos too. So I think the way this Virginia team is going to win um, is going to be hitting the three ball, which they've done pretty well, especially with, with 11 getting getting shots up um, and just re relying on multiple guys that can defend multiple positions. Um and just letting, you know, you're going to give up rebounds. That's just going to be the way it is. Um, and you're, you're probably going to struggle if you have to figure out how to handle teams with bigs like Baycott or whatever we've got coming down the pipe. But you know, also think this is a team that's if they do what they can do well enough, they can force teams to have to go small to match up, which mm -hmm. I know something's Brad's been yapping about for years. So um, <laughs> I think they're in a good spot, certainly better than they were out of Fort Myers, you know, in, in Fort Myers. And yeah, they're not, a, I don't think they're an elite team, but when they're shooting, you know, when they're, when they're hitting shots, they can be elite um, in moments and they're very, you know, good to very good. Otherwise, it's just what I'm going to be interested to see is what happens on a night when that three ball's not falling. Um, and they're going to run into that. So we'll see. Currently right now they've got, according to Ken Palm, the fourth best defense in terms of adjusted efficiency. Um, 
right now they're first in effective field goal percentage percentage. Um, they're top 22 in turnover percentage defensively, 11th in three point shooting percentage defense, second in, excuse me, fifth in two point percentage defense. And they're in top six in both block percentage and steal percentage. What's wild is, is that like that that's not, those are not typically the way that's not the way this normally goes when Virginia's got a top five defense. And at the same time, they're 293rd nationally in offensive rebounding percentage to put that in context. We all know Virginia's offense does not crash the offensive glass, right? They're actually 285th in that. So their defensive rebounding is now on par with their offensive rebounding. Um, Which, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, just a kind of an earth, shattering sort of mo you know what I mean like a Virginia team that could be as bad on the defensive glass as they quote unquote are on the offensive glass considering they don't try they don't push they don't go after the offensive glass right um so that's a a very weird sort of um situation in general but I, I think one two things I want to push back on one it, you, you talked about um this is not like a you know um an elite team I do think they're elite defensively um and I think that because they are, that means that every once in a while they will flirt with being elite overall, right? Like, I do believe their defense, because it's rooted in creating steals and blocks, um, that it does give this offense more opportunity. And even on nights when they're not shooting it very well, they're going to get more opportunities to shoot. Um, so that's I, – I, I'm not saying you're wrong per se, but I do think that because their defense is so good – and because of the way it's good, I do think that that really does impact the offense in a way that maybe we would say like the normal UVA good defense doesn't, right? It's one thing just to stop your opponent from scoring, right? Or it's a, it's one thing to stop your opponent from scoring or having many shots at the basket. It's a whole other thing to create potential um, extra Live possessions. Ball turnovers. Right. For, and, and, and I think this team has shown that like when they move a little bit, they're actually not bad. Um, and the second thing is, is that I guess I'm not technically pushing back on this. It's more of like an extra, uh, an, an additional thought. I think Groves is playing the role that they hoped BVP would play last year, and he's actually doing it well. Um, there's still some moments where he's a little bit out of sorts, especially defensively, and I think there are going to be some really rough matchups for him coming down the, the road. Um, I don't think it'll be um, – you know, catastrophic per se, but I do think there are going to be times where, um, you know, the matchup is going to be such that they're going to need to go to Buchanan. And I feel like in some ways what they're going to need from Buchanan overall actually probably fits better with where he is and where he's going to be this season than maybe we thought in the, in the outset. I think the, the Florida game certainly did sort of um, um, mess with our, our sort of collective viewpoint on him. I mean, look, the kid came out and he played, what did he play? Um, he played 27 minutes. He was 18 uh, points in that yeah, game. He had a game. You know, seven boards. Um, you know, he's, he was 10 of 16 from the line. Um, I do think that, that, that it's going to, it's, it, I think for him, it is going, he's going to get to a place this season where he finds that comfort zone. Um, I'm not saying he's going to necessarily be what he was against Florida, but I think he can be more than what he's been. And there are going to be nights where they're going to need him to do that, right? Where the the small five is just not going to be a thing. Um, the trick, I think, with this offense, Ferber, 
it, they don't need to play sides, right? The inside stuff off the triangle, I think, is really working for them in a way that consistently, and they, they, they tried it in spots last year and it worked. Um, they had that little, uh, you know, one uh, renaissance, so to speak, um, like midway-ish, and then BVP fe- kind of fell off a, um, a cliff in terms of his shooting percentages and his um, consistency, and they just were never the same. This team is different because, one, McNeely, two, Rhodey, um, three, I, I think that Groves really does fit what I think they really want out of that. It's wild to me that they can be as good offensively as they've been the past couple games without Ryan Dunn scoring more than six points, right? I mean, to put this in context, they had 77 against um, NC Central the other night, and he scored six points. They beat Syracuse by 20-some. Actually, had had them beat a lot worse than that, but um, Syracuse is like pressing Virginia's backups. And Dunn only had scored four points, right? Um I know there were a lot of differing opinions on Dunn, and I'm curious to get sort of your thoughts because because I what I've seen from him this year is what I expected to see. We talked a little bit about this, right? The, there were a lot of folks out there I think who thought he was going to like take a big step forward. He was going to be more in line with like offensively, like who DeAndre Hunter was. Whereas I kind of thought he would be a put back um, kind of guy, maybe give you the occasional uh, Jay every once in a while, but like they're not, they're not running plays for him offensively that don't involve him going to the rack. Um, do, are you concerned at all about his offense or do you think his defense is so good that that's literally all you need from him? Um, well, I mean, like if the question is like, you know, what do you do with his off? Like, I mean, you just take what you get from him, right? I mean, right. You want, you want as much as you can get, but he needs to be out there because of his defense. Um, and, I think he's doing okay on the offensive end. I mean, I don't for one, he's definitely not like forcing the issue. Right? That's a like, good point. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like he's taking shots because he's like, I gotta go out and take shots. And luckily for him and everybody else, that like other guys are making shots. So, you know, they haven't really needed him to I feel like I mean, maybe you guys disagree. I feel like half of his shots are like end of shot clock shots. Um, where yeah. he just is the guy with the ball. Um or their first possession of the game. They seem to like to run stuff for him the first Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. very first position. Yeah, and and you, I mean, you'll still see other teams ch- cheating off of him on the three point line, and I think it's really interesting because you know, in in both games, especially against A and M, it happened twice where they kind of lost him on the baseline. Yeah, um, and then he dunked, and and some of that is guys just ball watching, but the guy's already the guy guarding him is already kind of in position to make that play because he's cheating off the corner three. Um, but like you know, for whatever reason, they he drifts a little too far up or drifts a little bit too far in or whatever, and, and Ryan's able to kind of get the ball in a good position to go to the rim, and and that's an area where like I have confidence in him. He's he's good with the putback stuff. If he gets the ball around the rim, he's almost always going to score. Um, now, I mean, would it be great if he could knock down some threes? Yes, um, great for his pro career too. <laughs> um, but I mean, his defense has been has surpassed my expectations, which were high. Um, honestly, because I didn't see this many live ball turnovers being part of what they do. And he's clearly, I mean, the blocks alone, I mean, his block rate is ridiculous. Um, and, you know, though, and and one thing I, I kind of did want to highlight, you know, mentioning that these games were all at home, like those plays have a very big impact on the momentum of the building. Um, mm, like yeah, good point. Blo- blo- blocks. I mean, like what UVA does on defense, like not to discount like a good hard 27 second possession. Um, 
it, you know, like the crowd gets fired up for blocks and steals and, and it just kind of creates more of a snowball effect. And if you remember back like 2014, 15, 16, when they had all those Cavalanche games, which is kind of mm-hmm. what they did to Syracuse, um, you know, a lot of that was like the crowd would get into it. The other team would get really frustrated. They couldn't score. And then on the other end, UVA is just like making them work and then getting good shots and making them. And and that recipe is certainly one that they were able to follow against Syracuse. Um, and Ryan's a big part of that because he's creating all these like momentum changing plays. Um, my, my question with the defense is like not that I don't think anything's wrong with his defense. I don't think there's anything that's going to change. My only question is like, is the block and steal rate sort of sustainable? Right. Um like, I mean, I could see them. I think they're always going to be there because of his athleticism and his ability to kind of track the ball. And he's he's very good with timing on the blocks, um, which is a huge part of blocks instead of fouling. Um, but I'm kind of curious to see, like, are they going to continue to do this at the same rate, like throughout the season? Um, are teams going to adjust to it? You know, mm-hmm. are they maybe not really anticipating all these like jump passing lanes and stuff because they're looking at the you know years of pack line defense and, and saying like, this is what they're going to do. Um, you know, so that'll be interesting to follow. I'm not really worried about his offense. though. to answer your question, I think he's, he's fitting in, um, you know, there, there might become a point like there are every, every UVA basketball season, there's going to be a point where we're going to be like, like we felt, you know, coming out of that Florida tournament, like they're gonna have a stretch in January or February. We're gonna be like these guys can't score, you know. Yeah. And then we'll be like, we need more from him. But you know, until that happens, he's he's fine. I do think you saw a little bit of what um, Central did to McNeely once he got once he got going. Is they put and I I don't know which kid it was, but there was this one sort of longer athletic kid, and they just based. I mean, he was bodying the crap out of IMAC. I mean, and not just like on the catch. I mean, I'm talking about he was in his shirt. Um, and I could see teams basically putting their most athletic, you know, dude with some length on him to sort of take away his space. Um, but real quick on on Dunn, this is this is this is wild. Right now, nationally, he's 14th in block percentage. Okay, how many players do you think are top or both top 15 nationally in both block percentage and steal percentage? It can't be more than like one or two. There's no, there isn't one. He's the only yeah. one. He's tenth yeah. right now in in steal percentage, and he's not even the best steal percentage number on his team. Beekman's higher than him at seven. Um, and that's a, the usually blocks and steals are different players. It's like different exactly. guys get blocks versus steals. The idea that he is he is blocking shots with like I mean, if you look at this list of dudes, right? Um, a seven footer from U, U, UCF, a six ten kid from George Washington, a six ten kid from uh, Loyola Chicago, a 6'11 kid from Rutgers, a 7'4 kid from Syracuse, 6'11, 7'5, 6'11. You don't see many guys at 6'8, okay? Um, to put that in context, you also don't see many 6'8 dudes among anybody in the steals percentage. 5'11, 6'4, 6'4, 6'2, 6'1, 6'3, 6'3, 6'1, 6'3, 6'2, 5'2, 10, 6'4, 6'0. Like that, he is doing stuff that is just historically ridiculous um and you're just not going to see your point about the sustainability is so well taken because that's a i think that's a genuine concern not in terms of like can he do it ever again right yeah it's not really about him it's about like are you going to get those opportunities right exactly it's like an it's like a football offense who is like at this point like just 
70 yard touchdowns over and over and over, right? Can you continue to do that a long term or, you know, today's point about the three point shooting, like clearly I think, you know, you can look at it and say, look, McNeely right now, he's shooting 58% on the year. All right. He is one of the only kids in the country. No, excuse me. He's the only kid in the country who has shot for more than 40 uh, attempts from three. And he's the only one who's made 25 or more. All right. I mean, if he shoots 58% for the year, you know, book your flights to Glendale, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, you're going to catch, you're going to catch the eclipse in, in, in the um, land of the rising sun, so to speak. Right. Like, I mean, like he's 25 of 43 on the year. All right. Most of the guys who are ahead of him, and he's seventh nationally in three point percentage. All right. Most of the guys who are ahead of him have shot just like, not just like fewer threes, demonstrably fewer threes, right? The Santos kid from Dayton is currently leading the country at 66.7% from three. He's 16 to 24. IMAC has made more threes than this kid has attempted. Same thing for the kid from George Mason, who's second. Same thing for the kid from Missouri, who's 21st, right? The only one who's above him among that group is the Shepherd kid from Kentucky, and he's 22 of 36. So, I mean, he's kind of in the in the same ballpark in terms of what he shot. It's... I think we all expected McNeely would take a step forward, Dave. And I'm not expecting him to score 22 every night, but the fact that he scored 22 on back-to-back nights, let alone the whole weirdness with the eight for 11, six of eight, 26 minutes piece, which is, you know, if you think about like how hard it is to, to have a stat line like that uh, over two games, um, that's just, you know, that's just so weird um, to me um, that, that he had the exact same, um, scoreline but overall what's your I mean the kid is straight just filling it up um, how how excited are you about what you've seen from IMAC and how 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 much happier would you be if they if he was shooting like twice as many shots a game I mean honestly the last two games I've really liked I mean I think he's he's gotten plenty of shots which is weird because he went what 15 minutes it seemed like uh, last night without a shot without a three um, but I just think, you know, him or anyone, like anyone who shoots that well, it changes everything on the offensive end. Right. I mean, you mentioned how they, they had to adjust, but when they adjusted, all of a sudden you had driving lanes open and everything else. Cause you know, one of the four dudes can't help. Even if you've got Dunn's guy slacking off, like having a team, you know, now I know he had a guy on him, but the whole team's paying attention to a, what a guy who's making threes like that. It just opens so much up for your, for your teammates. And, Let's not, you know, I know his numbers are kind of ridiculous now, but, um, you know, Groves is still shooting over 40% from three, you know, Rody's up over 35. Um, I just, you know, and Rody and Groves have shown the ability to put the ball on the floor. So I just think, you know, you add that to the versatility and then it's not like IMAC can only shoot threes, you know, he's not a Todd Billet or something. He can, he's got athleticism. He's a great rebounder, which, you know, it's kind of crazy, but. Wasn't expecting um, Todd Billett to catch a straight at night. Yeah, no, but, <laughs> I know. Mean, you know, it's the first one that popped in my head. There's been a few, you know, um, you, you can just kind of just the sniper type. But, um, yeah, how many times in our text there we've been like feed 11, feed 11. I mean, there's, there were stretches, especially when Virginia was struggling there. Yeah, there's a couple of games they were struggling where it felt like IMAC didn't get a shot for for long stretches, and that should never happen. Um, yeah. And, you know, the last two games, he's hunted it. And, I mean, I can't 
I'm trying to think like, I mean, and it's, well, as an aside, like I missed the first four last night because I was watching North Carolina A&T game on a repeat um, <laughs> before I realized what ESPN Plus had done to me. Um, when, when I rewatched it uh, after the game, I mean, those shots are so clean, dude. Like, it, just so good. It He's just locked in. Um, and the team overall, like, um, I forget. I was going to, I was going to make a really good point. Hold on. Let me get back to it. Um, the <laughs> done piece. Yeah. The, Dave's I mean, going to tell us about the first few minutes of the A&T game. Yeah. Let me tell you that. I was really confused when he said he's from Coffeeville Community College. I was like, how many guys can we play from Coffeeville? I was like, wait a minute. This is the wrong game. Anyway, um, the Ryan Dunn piece, I just kind of can't remember which one you were talking about it. Like, you know, obviously his offense isn't where we all hoped it would, would be, but, or could be like he's just still it's just I don't even know if it matters. Um, you know, it would be great for him to, you know, to shoot like iMac or, or even you know shoot like Groves has done. But just he just scares dudes so much, man. Even when they're helping off of him, they're not helping. You know, they're not looking to leave him because they don't want to get dunked on. Um, yeah. So I think he's fine. But I mean, and as far as Dunn's defense. Like, people keep comparing him to Hunter. Like he's more like a he's more a kill Mitchell man. Like he is way more you know, he's better like, a kill Mitchell. Yeah, he's like a guard version of a kill Mitchell. Um, yeah, I mean he's like if he's a kill, a kill and, and like, Brogdon had a baby, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, he's a kill with like Brogdon's Brogdon's you know hands to to make stuff happen. But I think you know the steal percentage thing. I believe wasn't the twenty eighteen team really good at steals too? Well, I looked at. I think up they were probably top fifteen nationally. Um, so it's it's happened before, but it's definitely never happened with the block percentage. And I think that's how this team's going to make their hay. There's going to be nights where they don't get them, and I think that's where they're going to struggle because I don't know how you answer the rebounding piece without without giving up what you need to do to make this team dynamic offensively. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're they're in a good place as long as I'm at keep shooting fifty eight percent. I mean, it's almost like you know how Bronco had you know, New Mexico's head coach Bronco Mendenhall um, had never that. Yeah, had that shield where it was like, if we do this, this, and this, then we'll probably win. Yeah. For bat for UVA basketball, it's some combination of like, if we get X amount of blocks and steals versus, and then lose the rebounding margin by less than X, um, and shoot X from three, we're gonna win. Like, yeah, that's that's, a good point. that's sort of where they are. And you don't need to hit all those things like perfectly, but it's like you can you don't have to win rebounding by 10 and have 10 blocks. And, mm -hmm. you know, you just need to hit like two of them. Um, right. You just can't lose like you can't do what they did against like Wisconsin, which is like don't create turnovers, don't make shots and turn it over. And, you know, like, yeah, um, yeah, you can't do to all put that to put that in some context here. Um so UVA is top 10 nationally in, in two-point percentage defense. They're technically 11th in three-point percentage defense, but we're, let's just focus on top 10. So that's two-point percentage defense, block percentage, and steal percentage. But they're also top 10 nationally in offensive non-steal turnover percentage, right? So not only are they creating just a crap ton of turnovers, but they're also not turning it over. And like that efficiency, and I, I know I, I went on this like long thing about Buzz Williams's whole thing. But go back and watch the video of him talking about this after the game. But Ferber kind of alluded to it. But it's like the the lack of possessions 
already hurts most teams when they play Virginia, simply because you're just not going to get as many chances. But everything is exponentially more important, especially if Virginia is going to turn you over the way that this team turns people over, and they're not going to turn it over nearly as much as you're used to. So not only are you getting fewer chances in general, right? You're also having more of your opportunities squandered and they're not giving you anything extra to work with, right? And so inevitably, like all of the things that then, all the opportunities you do, you have to be crazy efficient against this team when they're playing the way that they can play. And I'm going to be honest, it, regardless of whether or not IMAC is, I mean, he's, what is he, 12 of 16 over the last like three games or some nonsense, uh, or the last two games. Um, what was that? Was it 12 of 16? Um, I got to, I got to look that up. Yeah. 12 of 16 from three point range over the past two games. Um, like regardless of what you're getting offensively, like that's enough to make, to put you in the, in the, in the, you basically, no matter who you play, you're going to be in the game, right? The question is, can you make enough other plays? And the Wisconsin game is really just a cautionary tale of like, if you don't do it right, that's what it can look like. You score 41 points, you turn it over eight times, they get you know, double-digit points off turnovers. You're getting cr- crushed on the offensive glass. You're not creating any sort of um, second-chance points. You're not getting anything from your bench. You're getting outscored in the paint 30-14. to 14. Like, that's what it looks like. But that, that game, Virginia also only had 10 assists, right? To put that in context, Virginia had 24 assists last night, right, on 32 made baskets, which is kind of crazy. They had 14 assists on 22 main baskets against Texas A&M and in a game that they they clearly sort of exerted their their sort of uh, will on and sort of dared uh, Texas A&M to, to, to try to force them to stop. Um, so I, I do think that one thing about this team, you know, we talked in the preseason and I was a little bit miffed as to why you guys weren't more excited. And your worries, I think at that point, have kind of come to fruition, which is like, what do they look like when they don't hit threes? We saw that. But... I think the flip side of that is like they're even better defensively, I think, than most of us thought they could be. And question is, is it sustainable? I think Ferber nailed it right there, right? Is it sustainable to for for Dunn to play the way he's played? Um, you're, I think you guys are exactly right. Like, I think he's in. I think he's in people's heads on both ends of the floor. Um, I think Dave is right. Like, you know, guys are clearly like they're not trying to get dunked on, and I think he needs to get more slash kind of stuff. He needs to be going to the basket more as opposed to catching, um, you know, trying to pull up or whatever. But defensively, like he's, I don't think that you can really divorce what we're seeing from Dunn in addition to what Beekman also gives them, right? Because teams are not just having to deal with where Ryan Dunn is, right? They're also having to deal with like, what is Reese Beekman doing? And the way that those two impact the flow of teams, you know, Beekman, a lot of times he's taking guys completely out of the game and so now Dunn is just free to just fly all over the place and do all, you know, whatever he wants. I don't think you can discount how much they're helping each other. And there's some real, like, um, synergy happening in terms of, like, what they're both giving to the, um, not just giving to the team, but then it requiring of opponents because, you know, of the, the, of the combination of their skill sets and their uh, productivity. But... All right. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Beekman's defense has been ridiculously good. It's just yeah, I don't want to I don't want to say we're we're so accustomed to it. We don't you know, give <laughs> give him enough flowers for it. Um but yeah, he's 
that game against AM, I mean, he just he just locked the dude down and he did it again the last two games. Yeah. Um and you, you know, we've had like I think the reason you know, Dunn's doing stuff we haven't seen in a while. And we've seen it before, just maybe not at that level. But, you know, having Beekman doing what he's done for two years and probably doing it better than he's done the last two years. And, you know, I don't think I think we're all hoping Reese's development this year would be you know, hitting threes at a bigger clip and he's still struggling with the three ball. Um, but if anything, his defense is better despite being banged up for a couple of games and his, like his ball handling is so much better. Like he's, he's really good at getting to the rim just because guys, guys can't strip him. Um, yeah. Top so, yeah, six nationally in, in assist rate right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I know we've had some good individual defenders. We haven't had too many teams with a one, two like this one. Hmm. And I would say I, the I think, thing Reese has just been very businesslike this year. He just kind of is exactly what you want him to be. He hasn't been asked to do too much, which is good, except for in that Wisconsin game where he did have to do too much. Yeah, he did. Um, but I mean, like he's get the reason we haven't talked about him is because nothing he's done is surprising. You know, um, we know how good he can be on the defensive end, and he just keeps bringing it. So, so yeah, he's uh, top top ten nationally in both steal percentage and assist rate. Um, which he was last year. He was top forty nationally in assist rate. Um, he was um in the top one hundred in steal percentage. Um, he actually had a better twenty twenty two in that respect. Um, where he was in the top forty, but this is easily his best all around season. Um, though he was he was you know to be fair he was really good in conference games only as a sophomore. Um in terms of assists, but like he has done, he, those two numbers combined. I mean, it's, that's, that's not super unheard of, right. To have a guard who is very good at steals and very good at assists. But I think what's, what's wild is that like, again, he's creating so many other, so many turnovers for the other team, whether that, whether he's the one getting the steal or he's disrupting stuff. And then he's also accounting for so many assists without turning the ball over himself. Um, it just really speaks to Virginia's overall, um, uh, you know, overall efficiency in general. I just think it's it's been a super impressive start in a variety of ways, even though obviously that Wisconsin game, it, it kind of stands as the cautionary tale. And uh, we'll kind of see how it uh, goes from there. And we'll have to continue to see how they do away from JPJ um, and just see like if they're going to have sort of a home road split. I know they beat Florida on a neutral, which is good. And they beat West Virginia, who's, who's not good. Um, <laughs> but you know, when they go to Memphis, I think we'll we'll learn a lot about like is can they take this on the road? You know, does defense travel as they say? I mean, I don't think they're they as haven't good played as a road game. They, were, yet. they yeah. were, but they're still good and they're athletic. That's a good like right before ACC play type game too. You know, it's like all right, back from the break from the exam break, like time to refocus. Because um, then, I mean, like ACC play is what? What are we like twenty like three weeks away? And then it's you're right in. I mean, we've already had one, Justin. Come on, that's true. <laughs> I, that's like a that's like an appetizer. Like it's yeah. just like the one little December game that everybody gets, and the you one never little December game. Well, it's just funny too because everybody plays one except for Wake Forest. They didn't play one, but because there's 15 teams. Um, but hey, they're just know, like so it, excited to get Efton Reed back. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He, he was. I saw he was plus six immediately tonight because some dude came in and hit two threes at the same time that he came in the game. Um, he had a double double. Good for him. Talented player. Um, they'll probably be pretty good this year, I think. But um, yeah, I mean, like 
you for, kind of forget that this game happened. Like once ACC play starts for real, it's like, oh yeah. Um, and sometimes the games mean nothing because they were just so early in the season. But Duke lost, so take that away. Homefield Apparel is back with brand new options for the Wahoos and so much more this year. The college basketball season ramping up, there has never been a better time to gear up with officially licensed apparel from Homefield. First-time customers can get 15% off their first order using the code CAVS23 at checkout. Homefield has comfortable, thoughtful selections, not just for UVA fans, but for more than 180 schools across the country. So this will make a great gift option no matter who you pull for. Homefield's plan is simple. Dig through the archives and the history of the schools to find unique logos, mascots, traditions, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your favorite school. I love what they've got from the older UVA logos and such, and the quality of the stuff I've gotten from Homefield is second to none. In fact, the hoodie with the Cavalier script across the chest is my go-to no matter what I'm doing. Homefield products are printed on high-quality garments with extreme comfort in mind. So don't miss this fall's hottest styles and the most sought-after apparel. Shop at Homefield today and wear one for the team. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code CAVS23 for 15% off your first order. Thanks to Homefield for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. All right, let's uh, let's move to football. <laughs> Two glasses, let's take that away. Yeah, I mean, um, it counts because they lost, right? So that, That's true. Um, so, obviously, we we put a lot out there last week. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if, in hindsight, if anybody had any... any uh, <laughs> Any reflections? Any <laughs> felt felt any kind of way Are you about talking to me, Brad? I'm not saying anything. I didn't name any names. I just was asking a question. You know, did I anybody don't. come? No, I, and I'm kidding. But like realistically, <laughs> I think you know we all stand on what is it? What is the saying? We stand on business or whatever. Um, but I will say that in the in the time since then, I like what I've seen. Right? Um, they got Chris Tyree in the transfer portal, which is obviously a, a huge step in the right direction. It's a talented kid that you can kind of plug in in a variety of ways. Um, and it, and it kind of fits a theme cause they've, they've done this several with several guys over the, you know, past two cycles where it's like bringing dudes who left, uh, Virginia to play college originally brought them back. Um, so that's good. They got a 2025 quarterback, which is obviously good too. Um, you know, they're in the thick of it. It seems like for a variety of different transfer guys, um, it feels like there's a sense of urgency. Um, and it feels like maybe the you know, NIL situation is, um, the coffers have been, um, sort of replenished. Um, you know, you, you hear little odds and ends about different sort of, um, deals and that kind of stuff, but it certainly sounds like UVA did a good job of taking care of the guys that needed to be taken care of um, so that the staff wasn't fighting to re-recruit dudes who were on their roster. Not to say that that, you know, isn't happening on some level. Um, and it, you know, if anything, they, they, it almost feels like they need to create some space. And I know that that, as I said on the lockdown, like that's a, that's just a tough reality of the situation for college football right now is that you're going to have it's situations where you're going to need to, you know, maybe not renew some scholarships. And that's the ugly side of this business because that is the business side of it. Um, and, and it's unfortunate, but it's just a reality um, that sometimes you're going to need, you're going to need that space overall. Uh, Dave, let's start with you. How do you feel about what you've seen in the, in the first little um, burst of, of news from the transfer portal and such? Um, how much is, getting to Chris Tyree 
change things for you? Or does it change things for you? It may, it does. I mean, look, I mean, I gave the, uh, I held the staff to the fire last week and stand by it, but I do appreciate they've been a little more active on Twitter this week. Y'all can say it doesn't matter. I think it does. Um, I mean, it's hey, hashtag, hashtag you're all welcome. Yep. We, we, yeah. we got on this yeah. podcast. We start talking about how they need to tweet and what did they start doing? They started tweeting. Yeah. So clearly yeah, somebody like see more, listens. but progress. They and, listen to you us. know, the coaches, coaching staff has been flying, you know, they, they've been all over the coast, East coast, yeah, looking at dudes and meeting with dudes. Um, and Chris Tyree is huge. Like, I mean, he's a, I mean, not only is he, you know, a kid from Thomas Dell who, you know, has a ton of talent, he's, you know, he's a kid from Thomas Dell has a ton of talent uh, and he's coming back, you know, coming back home and, you know, kind of hopefully replacing a, a very, you know, a, um, sort of looking for a historically uh, productive wide receiver. Um, that's it. And, you know, and then, you know, uh, the quarterback Cole gear, you know, good addition for, for 2025. And I think you mentioned it. I mean, there seems to be, there, there's a lot of rumors that more money has been made available to NIL. Um, seems they've locked down, you know, the, the, the guys that people were worried about. I mean, I think at this point you could, I mean, I think we'd all agree the biggest portal loss for Virginia so far is Lex Long. Um, Cause I think that dude's uber talented. He was banged up this year, but, um, and you know, he, he's leaving a position where Virginia doesn't have a ton of depth. Um, so they've got work to do, but they, they're working. Um, so yeah, getting Tyree and, and being a little more out there, that's a good start for me. You you just got to finish it. You know, the next, what it's a December 20th, I think is the early signing day. Um, I mean, I don't expect them to, I know there's some 2024 guys that are still trying to, trying to get, but for the most part, for the next couple of weeks, they're going to be looking at the transfer portal. Um, and us, I, I mean, I think you mentioned it there. There are going to be more guys entering the portal. So, um, it's just a matter of building a roster. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, Elliot's got to realize like, you know, I've had two years and we haven't won much. Um, if you kind of read the tea leaves and what we're hearing, like it, it sounds like he, he realizes it's win now or go home. Right. Um, so it's time to show it. I mean, I like the way they start. I held them. I was very critical and they've, you know, a week later they, they've made some progress. So continue. let's build on it. <laughs> let's add some more commits because still a lot of spots to add. Yeah, they've got until I believe the seventeenth, and then they the the quiet period starts, and then they're on the dead period through the second week of January. Ferber, what about you? Do you feel? Do you look back on what last week, and do you have anything you'd like to take back, or do you feel like you um like what you've seen so far is kind of almost a uh, not necessarily like a like a re- response, so to speak, to any anything anybody said, but more about like the response, the right re- response to the situation at hand. No, yeah, I mean, I think like <laughs> we're we were being, I think, fair, um, hard but fair, you know. Um, and I think also like we talked about this earlier, like it's not like we don't want them to be successful. Um, we're not saying this stuff because we're happy to say it, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, I know that it's been almost two weeks now, but let's not forget 55, 17, like, you know, oh, I didn't that's forget. why I, I didn't, I didn't forget. That's, that's why, that's why it was so hard last week. You know, it wasn't like it came from nothing. Um, 
but yeah, I agree with what you said. I think, you know, since then, you know, they've been back to work and, and they've gotten some results early and I know that they're going to keep plugging away in the portal. Um, and I, I like the idea of trying to bring Virginia guys home for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, you might be able to kind of like sell them on, um, being able to come in and contribute right away. And, and a lot of those guys that they would go after are talented guys that they just weren't able to get out of high school. Um, and uh, yeah, funny how that UNC pipeline uh, panned out. It's so um, funny you said that because I was literally just thinking I need to bring up the the three UNC kids. Yeah, keep, and keep, then you got people, and then you got people on Twitter like this shouldn't have happened, and it's like it's like the I think you should leave me with the hot dog. People. Yeah, with the we're hot all dog. trying to figure out who who's fault who did this. this. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I think like you know they they've been taking action obviously we haven't seen any staff changes uh, that was something I, I wasn't sure if they would do or not but it seems like they're just right back to work and um you know this is going to be a really important period for them it does seem like they're kind of trying to turn the roster over and and try to kind of strike gold in the portal and flip this thing in a year um and i think they have a the potential just looking at you know who they still have who's gone in the portal i mean we'll see who still enters the portal um, but assuming that they keep most or all of the key players that they were able to develop this year, um, and have eligibility, uh, I think, you know, they'll have a chance to be better next year. You just have to find a way to turn some of the small losses into small wins or whatever. But, um, and like I wrote this week, they need to do a better job at home, but, um, that's another reason, by the way, to circle back to what I was saying before about bringing Virginia guys in, I think, um, those guys are going to play. I mean, not that like somebody like Malik Washington, who's from Georgia and played at Northwestern, didn't play hard for UVA. Like, obviously he did. Um, but I think it helps to have a guy like with local ties. It just might mean a little bit more. Taking back the state might mean a little bit more to them. Um, yeah. Things like that. And I think that those are just added benefits. You still have to be a good football player, regardless of where you're from. So you don't just take dudes because of where they're from. But if you can find a way to make those connections happen, it also might pay off in recruiting down the road, too. You mentioned Thomas Dale, like, you know, there's a bunch of other recruits out there, transfers from other big schools in the state. Um, I think having Cam Robinson play well is good. They also got Isaiah Robinson. I don't know if either of you mentioned that, you know, started their 2025 class yeah. off really strong. So, I mean, I think, uh, you know, and then, you know, potentially, you know, I, I'll just single out one 2024 recruit, Makai White, just because I, I was looking this up the other day. And if they got him and he's committed to Maryland, but I, it sounds like they're still trying to make a, a flip there. Um, if they're able to do that, then that would be three straight cycles with a top 10 player in Virginia. And that's not like, I mean, at UVA, they should be doing that, I think. Um, but that's progress because that's not what was happening before. So, um, that would be a, a positive trend in the state. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say they have work to do, right? Like, yeah. You know, I mentioned Lex Long, but they've lost other dudes too. Like the running back room is not very deep right now. You already lost Malik Washington in the wide receiver room. You got to replace him. Tyree hopefully will do it. But, you know, there wasn't a whole you lot of use depth another at that guy, position. At least one more guy. Yep. And then the offensive line will return everyone. And, um, you know, Justice Johnson's gone in the portal. But, um, I mean, if you, you would like to assume if you brought off all five guys back, like they appear to be doing, they'll be better next year. But, you'd still like some competition, especially out the tackle spots. Um, so they need to look there. And then if you look at the defense, like there's a lot of guys coming back. Um, yeah, I think the only guys at this point, the only guys we've lost on defense are Lex Long um, and Famui, right? And we're still, and Akire. 
and then like Devin Chico's Clark. back. Yeah, Butler's. They've lost. Say, a, they've lost a few transfers. Devin Clark. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. You mean like guys that played a lot? Yeah, guys that played. Yeah. I mean, um, and we don't know what Ahern's doing yet. He's got eligibility left. James Jackson, uh, obviously, Cam Robinson appears to be back, and Cohen King's going. But you know, same thing. Like that defense, you still need to add. You know, you need some pass rush. Like if that defense was not disruptive in what ninety percent of the games last year. Um, they need more pass rush and they need better, better DBs. And you probably need another linebacker. Um, all in all, so they they've got a lot of pieces to add. And obviously, they signed the twenty twenty four class. You know, early signing in a couple weeks. But that class, you know. Was, Assuming Makai White doesn't flip, um, that class currently sits number eighty in the rivals ranking. Um, I mean, there's some good, good players in it, but there's not a lot of them. Some of that, um, yeah, it's the size of the class too. And, yeah, you know, and I know, I know, Elliot's gotten a lot of credit for um, identifying like three star talent that that's panned out. Um, and that's good. So hopefully he has in this too, but. When you play fifteen to twenty-three stars, a few of them are going to pan out, right? Mm-hmm. Most, yeah. You know, Alabama's not, so <laughs> it's it's not not unheard of. So, like they still they still got a lot of work to do over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, one thing I would say is that um, one of the one of the um, building blocks I think you can point to with this staff is that while certainly there are some guys in every class who you're sort of like. I don't want to say taking a flyer on, but guys who you're, you're sort of, you're not sure will be a starter or what have you, but you're sort of like intrigued by what they've got. And so you offer and you, you take who you can get. But what I've seen from some of UVA's younger kids beyond cam, I mean, we all knew cam was going to be good though. I don't know if I expected him to be quite as like um, ready to play. Not sir. Not, not just ready to play, but like, he 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 they're just a very different team when he's not on the field right and i don't know if i expected that right i expected him to i expected him to be very good at uva i expected him to um contribute probably early on but i don't i don't know if i expected him to demand quite as much um attention respect i don't know how to frame it um as he clearly did because man when he was not in there you could tell um and that's not something i expected but you know, the Walker kid, the Hardy kid, like, um, you know, they, they got a couple of dudes that like, I just didn't necessarily think were going to be quite as impactful and ready to do the job. Like even the Buchanan kid looks like a nice addition, the Hammond kid on the line. Right. And what's funny is that like, that's none of those names are the, you know, we were talking earlier in the season, right before we, I mean, preseason Harrison and, and, and Jaden Gibson. Right. But they're they're not the dude the ones who were making the impacts weren't necessarily the guys we thought would, and I think that's a good sign for them. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what it looks like when those guys have a little more time. But I do think they need. I, I would like to see them add a cornerback or two. Would love to see a defensive end, edge guy. Um, you know, and and or two. And, and, or two. <laughs> And then also too, like offensive line, like this is something a point I made earlier tonight on the the lockdown thing. Like, it's one thing to say you want to have five offensive linemen who start. That's great, but there was clearly there were clearly multiple dudes who were playing on the line in that game against Tech who were just completely not healthy, right? 
And I'm not saying that you necessarily need to have need, you, you need to have dudes who are going to like push people out of starting spots per se, as much as I'm saying like, you need to be able to play guys. You, you at least need to have enough depth that you can put dudes in the game. So, so the hurt dudes don't have to play right. That 60% of Noah Josie that you can, you can get a guy who's better than 60% of him. Right. Cause I don't think the left side of the line was even remotely healthy in that game. Um, and so, I feel like you got to you got to get some pieces on the offensive front, which, you know, while I'm giving them some credit for the staff, you know, the evals on, you know, Calandria, the evals on uh, even Musket to some extent. Right. Like, I feel like offensively, they've kind of shown us enough to know, OK, like they, they know what they want it to look like roughly. Right. They just need to figure this thing out on the offensive line. And that's the one place where the offensive, I mean, excuse me, the grad transfer additions have just not been enough right they brought in several dudes and over the last whatever and like they just have not been what they need to be and that's um, the worst portal position in the portal yep for everyone i mean for everybody's everyone. saying that like there's like 10 good offensive linemen in there every year yeah um so what's wild is that uva thought they had one of them last year in nana right um and, and i don't that know just, that he's bad he's just inexperienced you yes. know um yeah and that's going to be the case. And, if you and get they the moved from, him out the tackle to start the season, right? Which, exactly. You know, probably well, also you also can't just confidence. like you can't with offensive linemen. They they say the further you are away from the ball, the easier it is to play early. Um, you can't just like fake it. You can't just like throw a freshman out there and be like, do your best. Like, um, <laughs> like if you're not prepared to play as a, as as a corner, it's like hope you don't get beat and make a mistake and then make tackles, which is something you're taught to do when you play in high school. So you should be able to do it. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, they threw Bowley out there, the freshman, and said, "Do your best," and then yeah, play for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly, and that's obviously not. I'm not blaming them for that, but that's not ideal. Like that, you don't want to have to do that. Um, and somebody was hurt to make that happen, right? I can't remember who it was. Um, and then came in later after the first couple games. Who am I forgetting? Um, Leach or somebody? I can't remember who it was. Yeah, um, he did. He played. Yeah, because there was like a guy that missed the first couple games. Um, but yeah, I mean. That's just not a. You can't just be like, I'm just going to throw a guy out there and see what happens. Like, um, so it takes longer to develop guys, which means it's harder to, you know, know if you hit on a guy right away. And like somebody like Blake Steen, I mean, kind of came on. He was the guy that they kind of singled out during camp, but I didn't think he was going to be what he was, you know, like in the spring. So hopefully you can find a couple of guys like that on your roster and then you add what you can add. Like you said, Brad, if there's any takeaways from this season, we should know like you any guy any guy can get hurt. <laughs> so you need to have like a backup plan. I mean, we didn't mention it yet, but I was telling Dave earlier they also could use another quarterback. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. they have two on scholarship. Um, you know, and Broster House is a very good backup, like a walk-on caliber backup that <laughs> should Big probably Broster House guy here. <laughs> I mean, he he's probably gonna be on scholarship. Yeah, well, he needs to be. But I mean, he literally has done quarterback sneaks and he threw one pass. So let's. Not yeah, I will yards. say, when he um, threw that one pass, I was like, "Oh, okay, let's 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 see what happens." I mean, I, I've know? seen him in practice. He doesn't look like he's like. Doesn't he had offers for, right, Middle Tennessee State and some other ones. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he looks like a guy that could. He's not bad, but I mean, I don't think you want to be a play away from a play away from Broster House with no backup. Like, yeah, I mean, that said, it's going to be hard <laughs> to find a quarterback. 
you know, another quarterback. You, know. you might just have to find a guy that's like, I played at the FCS level and I just want to go to UVA and I'll walk on or whatever. Yeah, I'd like right. a year of uh, education. Yeah. Because, yeah. Important to some, yeah. but not to all. Yeah. I want to throw I want to throw some shade <laughs> at Bronco Mendenhall staff. Um, man, that 21 class. You mean Ooh. the New Mexico staff? Yeah. That 21 class, brother. Ooh, my goodness. Um, well, in fairness to them, two of the best players in that class decommitted after they left. Three of them. No, that's fair. Gentry, but, Meadows, and Burgos. Yeah. Um, and there might have been more, but those are the three that I remember. Um, man, that's that class, boy. If you if you scroll that group, I mean, man, that's a that's a that's a tough that's a tough thing. Um, sound like those, Robert and I right now. That's a, that's a tough, tough deal. That's there. a tough deal. Um, I don't even remember who was in that class. I mix them up, but so that also was, there's probably been a lot of attrition. I would imagine. I mean, that class is pretty huge. Devonte uh, Cross. No, Devonte Cross. Was good gracious. <laughs> Twenty one. I'm thinking, thinking of Broncos' first class. You're thinking back to like twenty. Wow. I'm thinking of his first one when he had to piece it together from London. But I mean, yeah, Mal- Malachi's yeah. in that group. He was so in that one. Yeah. Malachi's hits. That's good. Uh, they've lost. You mean um, the lowest rated guy in the class? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yep, they've lost Long. They've lost Faustin. They've lost Davis. They've lost Simpkins. They've lost Rodriguez. Um, Rodriguez. <laughs> Michael. They oh, yeah. lost Michael Green. They lost Jacob. West Weeks. Uh, they lost Javin That's Burke. West Weeks didn't even. They lost Logan Weeks. Taylor. Uh, he, he played a lot. There's some talented players in this group. It just yes. they are not here. <laughs> They're just right. They're somewhere else. You know, it's just a man. Um, guys, to have money in the coffers, if you want to keep those guys, and maybe don't yeah. have your coach quit. But whatever. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that I mean helps. that class. I kind of just I would chalk that up to getting caught in the wash and like you know in the middle of a transition. Um, I mean, hell, some... UVA had a top thirty recruiting class. Who who would have thought? Yeah, and that I guess that's where your point though is like that class was supposed to be very transformational in a good way, and it just didn't work out that way, right? I mean, Bryce, was Bryce Carter in that class too? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that was that that was the one guy I think Bronco in his entire tenure at UVA got from the top ten of Virginia players. Um, there might have been one more, but I think it was just because I looked this up last year. It was like Carter, and then the previous before him, I want to say it was like Giovanni Simmons, and that's going way yeah. back. That's back to the seven by seven London days, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean they they still have some work to do to to get this thing right with the re- in state recruiting and and some of the other things they have to do. But um, I think some is very kind. They have a lot to do. Yeah, and, and we'll <laughs> see. I mean, like good. we'll see. I mean, I think in the modern but at this point, his his goal should be to build next year's roster. Forget about how it translates to the year after. Oh yeah, um, he doesn't need he doesn't need twenty twenty four people at this point like he doesn't he needs 2020 yeah, 2024 class yeah no i'm saying like you don't even really need that many more freshmen to add to oh, this yeah, class yeah. you need you need, need transfers <laughs> um and that's that's honestly for a school at uva that's probably going to be more the norm like yeah like you're going to have to have like some impact transfers and you're probably going to recruit at a little bit of a lower level because you're not you're nil is going to wipe you out for some dudes um but you get some of those guys on the back end after some other school paid to develop them for two years and let them sit on their bench, um, which is not, you know, what people are used to in college football, but, you know. For the record, Giovanni Simmons, class of 2015. 
Yeah. I remember interviewing him at the Rivals top 100. Six-foot linebacker somehow managed to be one number 137 nationally. Yeah. Yep. Man. Oh, he was like Robinson the, was in that class. He was like the last get. Yeah. <laughs> he was the last get on that like wave of big recruits that Mike got from the beach. I think he was like the last one. Yeah. Um, man, that class is like a who's who of like Bryce Hall. Yeah, man. Or is that the next year? No, that thing was the year before. Yeah. Yeah, because he well he was a Mike he was a London recruit and then yeah because that class wow that that class has Thornhill and Olamide Zacchaeus in there. Right. So so that class is oh uh, that oh okay twenty fifth yeah because they played for Mike that was back when they the signing day was later and I was trying to th- okay yeah that makes sense then twenty sixteen oh. is the Devonte Cross. Uh, Bryce Man, Hall, there's probably Asis some Dubois. That class. Um, was that was that Harry Kreider? Uh, in there, I think he decommitted. I think I was gonna say I think he decommitted. <laughs> Wasn't that the Aiden Ryan? Well, not Aiden Ryan. Aiden uh, Howard class or was that fifteen? Oh, I think he was 15. oh, wow! I didn't know we were gonna be bringing him up tonight. What happened there? <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving that's on. A, uh, that's in the redacted file. <laughs> I want to look into that Mexico fans. But they uh, had the Mexico fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had like uh, Landon Word. Remember, he was gonna oh, be yeah. like a, yeah, the yeah. next He's big thing. Be a dude. And he, he, no, he was. Good, he right? was the next big thing, and then he decided to to bounce. Dude, okay, real quick. Last last thing on memory lane before we move forward. The 2014 class. All right, Darius Carter, who mm. ended up being pretty pretty good. All right, that was the Chris Peace, uh, uh, Corwin Cutler, Jess Ferrar. This was Andrew Andrew Brown, Quinn Blanding, Jamil Kamara, and then like a bunch of other random dudes. <laughs> it, well, Stephen Moss was a four star that year too. Stephen Moss, yeah. that's your guy, one of the <laughs> okay, originals. Okay, okay, Doug. But they, they <laughs> had like they had two five stars, a couple four stars, and a whole bunch of two star dudes. Right, Corey yeah, Jones, Chris Peace, Michael. <laughs> they got uh, they they got Brown and Blanding, and they were like, should we get anyone else? And they were like, I eh, just whatever. <laughs> Though I will say Donovan Dowling should absolutely not have oh, been yeah. a two star. That was a and steal. Like, God, he was so physical. Okay, uh, last thing on football, and we'll wrap up for this week. Um, is there anything that you want to see, like before we record again? I mean, don't say like you know they go out and get Arch Manning, but um, you know, that's the one position. Don't want to get Arch Manning. Honestly, yeah, honestly, <laughs> honestly that's the one position where okay. I'm like, just keep everything the Listen, way it is. I'll trade you Arch Manning for two offensive linemen and a pass rusher. No, stop. Listen um, to me. I love y'all like brothers. Y'all are lying right now. If Arch Manning called tonight and said, I want well, to take him, you take him and you don't have, even yeah, think you twice have to take about him. it. So stop. Yeah. You're like, I don't want Arch Manning. Yes, you do. You might not want them to actively seek him, but <laughs> anyway. There's um, a lot of writers out here with that, you know, pay attention to clicks and stuff that would love to have Arch Manning. God, can you imagine the, the amount of like con- hashtag content? If they went out and got uh, Arch Manning seen at Kava, <laughs> it's like okay, cool. <laughs> All right, give me give me one thing. Is there is a guy in the portal that you want him to to lock up between Ooh. now and next week? Ooh. Insert Honestly, name of offense of six foot five or six offensive lineman who's I mean I I I don't know if it's gonna happen, but I'd love to get the tight end from Harvard. Yeah, Neville. Neville, because they um, just—I think they need a, a game-changing really pass-catching really tight do. end would be a huge boost. No, the Roger—I will say the Rogers kid looks like he could actually play pretty early. You think you, he's going to come in and just play? I don't know if I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a it's a demanding position, obviously. Um, 
and they but they need numbers. I mean, there's no there's no way around that. They they probably need him and somebody else. You know. Yeah. Um. But and then I also like I w- I would like to see them get involved with some running backs just because I think that room's kind of shallow now. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, Xavier Brown. I mean, we they're... haven't really talked about him a lot, but like I think maybe maybe they're counting on him more than we realize. But yeah, I think they are, and I mean, frankly, I think that's one of the reasons why the other guys bounce because they 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 were they were redshirting him in large part, I think, because they knew he had potential down the road, and he seemed. Who do to we have left today? We have got we've got Xavier, Greasy, um, Hawthorne and Vaughn. Hawthorne and Vaughn. Yeah, sounds yeah. like a TNT yeah, cop does. show. This week on Hawthorne and Vaughn. Petaway would be a nice kid, but I haven't even seen us involved with him, at least publicly. Um, There's other running backs out there, too. I mean, the the dude from Wake Forest is from Nova. Um, (laughs) He's good. Like, uh, Yeah, I mean, just one dude is tough. I I I still can't believe DeMond Claiborne caught on there. really thought he was going to commit to UVA. Um, I would say Neville would be my first two, Justin. I just can't trust his staff to like use the tight end enough to be. Like, like, yeah, I guess we don't even really know what they would do with him. It would just, um, it's just, it's just an obvious need, and he's yeah. good. Um, you know, and that, and and then also just like continue to keep doing the work. Like I know that's a cop out, but like I don't have a specific dude. Um, I always liked Andre Green when he was in high school. So, I mean, if they go that route, I'd be happy. Yeah. With you, that. And ha- you and half the state of North Carolina. You and me and everybody. Else. I mean, that dude is official like tissue. Um, wow. <laughs> nice. Uh, he got Lord. worked in. I mean, if he's listening to it now, I mean, at the hour, something marked like good on him. Oh, man. Hey, yeah. you know, if I he don't is, have a single guy. Shout Just out. Give me all the guys. There you go. That's a good way to. That's a good way to finish it up. Just give. I mean, give, the funniest, the funniest possible thing would be like, I don't. I'm not saying you just take all these guys for fun, but like, if all those North Carolina dudes came back to UVA and then we're good, that, that would, would be actually the be hysterical. Thing. Honestly, um, though, if you imagine a scenario where they came back and they were good, the whole the whole thing flips. Like not, uh, we've I, had I, two Carolina transfers or three now. I can think of uh, TJ Thorpe and Cameron Kelly, right? Yeah, one well, worked out a little count? better than the other. Does he count? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he counts. he counts. I mean, he made a tackle in the spring game. I think. Congratulations! Is I that thought, it? Did he, is he? Did he announce to any? Yeah, he's going pro. He's, he's going, going to the draft. I didn't. Know I was hoping. Option. I was hoping option. he went back in the portal and came I back to was too. Just for the yeah. spring, though. Just, just for, the, for spring. the spring, and then leave again. Yeah. So funny. All right. Uh, I think that is a uh, very good place to put a pin in it. Um, we got a little, we got a little zany there. I can't believe we did the official like tissue. That's just wild. Um, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast, I mean, I, I do have a cold, so it kind of makes uh, sense. Okay, yeah, whatever. Okay, we'll we'll allow it. If you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcast, Overcast. Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, we appreciate it. Um, if you're somebody out there who has found the podcast, has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Lots of uh, lots of stuff. It is, it is that season. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. I also want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.